Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Stop praying as if salvation hasn't taken place. Stop praying as if salvation hasn't taken place. We're going to be looking at a move of God, a move of the Spirit in the earth. But the first thing I want you to hear is that you need to stop praying as if salvation hasn't taken place. Okay, God abides in us. That's salvation. As a Christian, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Or God Almighty has taken residence in you as a believer. There's benefits to that. And that's what we're looking at in this season as we focus in on the Holy Spirit, as we focus in on salvation. But sometimes we, we, we don't take full advantage because we don't know what we've got. And sometimes we reduce salvation to flimsy things, which I'm not going to mention anything right now. But there's a reality to Christianity. We've been focusing on that since the beginning of, of Grace Life Rondebosch. There's something that God desired for us to experience. It's not just another way to live. It's life. Amen? Amen. John 16, 33. This is going to bless you. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Sorry, wrong verse. This is the one that I thought would bless you. But take heart because I have overcome the world. You know, you, you, we often want, want a, a happy message we want something that's going to make us feel good we want a life that that's just amazing you know comfortable and all of that but jesus here is prophesying <laughs> if you would that you're going to have a trouble-filled life think about it for a moment if you haven't had one then um, we'll talk about that another time but this is saying that in this world we're never going to have perfect peace just read through the the new testament and you'll see that we're never going to have perfect peace in this world never we will have moments of peace i mean just think about it we had COVID, and now everyone's forgotten about COVID because of putin <laughs> i saw even a meme on it you know, uh, it was amazing. It was, um, uh, uh, what, satire news saying that Putin is going to get awarded the Nobel Peace, uh, Nobel Prize for, for dealing with COVID. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. The only way for us as believers to stand strong through challenging times, whether it's economic, whether it's persecution, you know, w w whatever it is, is by us learning to, 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 to use what we've got. And that's salvation. Because salvation isn't just pie in the sky when we die. It's cake on the plate or steak on the plate, whichever one you want or both, while you wait. Okay, it is eternal, but it's to be experienced now. Okay, the way we pray in a crisis reveals what we know and what we don't know about salvation. Now, it might be a worldwide crisis, it might be the crisis that you're facing, like not finding a parking spot at the mall. <laughs> Whatever your crisis is, the way that you pray in that moment is revealing what you believe and what you don't believe. Okay? <clears throat> in a crisis, 
like in, especially in a worldwide crisis, you should be able to separate believers from unbelievers. You should be able to go, wow, that, that person is different. Wow. Then about that one. They, they're like everybody else. Okay? And there's no condemnation because we're all growing, but you'll see it clearly. Many Christians in the world right now are crying out for a move of God on earth, which in reality is a move of the Spirit. They might even call it that. But if the Spirit of God is dwelling in us as believers, what they're praying for is a move of the believers. The Spirit will not move without us, the church, moving. So, we have what we need for a move of God. We all want a move of God. I believe all of us would want that. We all want to see what that would, would be like. But most of us want to watch it and experience it. We don't want to be it. But I've got news for you. You're it. If you're not going to be it, no one's going to be it. It's us. We're tag, we're it. If it's not us, it's no one else. It's the church of God who are the move of God. If the churches continue to sit in churches, church buildings, then we're not going to see anything. It's good to meet and to be equipped and to be challenged and stirred up and blessed and prayed for and ministered to and then for us not to stop church but take church out to the world. Matthew chapter 10 verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. If I say, hey, Ben, here, here's my, my bank card. There's money in it, don't worry. Please go to the shop and I want you to buy, let's say uh, there's a, a, a two, there's a special on at Woolies. I want you to buy a couple chickens and some rolls and some drinks and bring it now and we're going to have some, some dinner all together. So go and buy what you need to buy. Just here's my card, go and, go and pay for it. You know, what have I done? If I've given him the money, the ability to, give, to do it and he's going, and he's, I've given him buying power. I've given him the ability to accomplish what I've asked him to accomplish. Okay, so many believers are really, uh, in reality, going to the shop. And they're asking for the manager for some chicken and rolls. They're asking for the manager for some drinks. Uh, uh, but they're not using their bow, buying power to obtain it. They're begging, and they're, 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 they're asking, they're pleading, but nothing's happening. Because they're not using what they've got to get what they're told to get. We don't beg or plead with God for healing. We don't beg or plead with God for, uh, to, to deal with demonic things. God has given us buying power and so we need to exercise our will to obtain. And that's part of getting to this place of a move of God. Nowhere in the Bible do we see instructions to call out to God for healing. Nowhere in the Bible do we see, we do see it in one place, I'll bring it up, where we see instructions for people to call out for revival. Nowhere in the Bible do we, we see God uh, 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 telling us to call out to Him for freedom from demonic attack. Anywhere. So if you're doing any of that, stop it and listen to the message and realize how to deal with it. Okay? 
We see an instruction in Mark 16, verse 17 to 18. It says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Who casts out the devils? They, the believers, not the priests, not the rabbis, not the whoever's, the believers, not the man of God, the man and woman of God. <laughs> it's all of us. Okay, it's the believers who uh, shall cast out devils, who shall lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So if believers aren't casting out devils, devils aren't cast out. If believers aren't laying hands on the sick, they will not recover. Matthew 10 verse 8. Jesus says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. So, here's the thing. We've got buying power. We need to stop praying as if we're helpless, as if we've got nothing, trying to get something, and we need to start praying and acting as if something's happened. Start praying and acting as if salvation has taken place, because it has. So how does revival or a move of God happen? 2 Chronicles 7.14 You didn't think I'd go there. <laughs> if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Who had a bracelet like that? I did. Okay, there's a few of us. We had bracelets like that. We were good Christians. We had little bracelets around you know it, it was a what would jesus do bracelet or a chronic two chronicles 7 14 one because we were good christians we were praying for revival we were going to the revival list revivals this is the thing this is a misplaced scripture in the church doesn't matter which way you look at it because it's spoken to israel before salvation came so you can't use it it's inappropriate, it's wrong for a born-again believer to pray like this. Because these guys didn't have what you have. We are filled with the presence and the power of God. How can you pray like this? Everyone, if you're awake, wave at me. Okay, that's a move of God. Right there. <laughs> it is a move of God. Because I woke you up, but also because God's living in you and this is me, God moving. <laughs> it's true. This week in Cape Town, we saw a move of God when you guys went out. Amen. The ones that were on the mission field there. Yeah, if you were going and ministering to anyone, if you prayed for someone, that was a move of God. It might not have been a mighty move of God where we saw thousands of people coming to Christ, but it was a mighty move of God in those people's lives mm -hmm. that you touched at the workplace, mm -hmm. that you encouraged wherever you came into contact with people. Mm -hmm. Okay? So revival happens when we happen. We are revival waiting to happen. A move of God happens when we happen as believers. We are a move of God waiting to happen. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives in us and wants to flow through us to touch people's lives. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 and then 7 to 8. So we're going to skip over a few verses there. It says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So it's all kinds. 
Whenever you speak on healing, someone comes up and says, but can God heal? Whatever. Something comes up. Yes, he can. Because we've got authority or power over all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. Nothing's excluded. In verse 7, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. It says there, as you go, preach. So as you go to work, preach. As you go to the, the bank, preach. As you're going to SARS, especially SARS, preach. <laughs> and especially if you're going to home affairs, preach. If you're going to the mall, preach. As we go, we should be making and taking opportunities to share the gospel. To heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. You're never, ever, you'll never find an example of this in the Bible. And you'll never, ever, 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 ever have God say something like this to you. Stand back, Claudia, and watch me heal this person. He can never say that. Stand back, Claudia, I'm going to show you how I'm going to save this, this unbeliever right now. And then you stand back and you watch and you're like, okay, God, show me. It, 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 that, that can never happen. Because you're God's plan to heal that person. You're God's plan to save that person. Yes, there's a part for them to play. We, we, we were having a meeting at, um, I don't know if you know where the Berlin Wall is in Cape Town, but there's a piece of the Berlin Wall there. And we were having a meeting there. And uh, uh, this lady who, who was touched... She came and she was now starting to interrupt the meeting. And so we stopped our meeting and I tried to minister to her. A couple of us tried to minister, but she wouldn't listen. And so we finished our meeting and we left because you can't help someone beyond what, you know, if it was a demon, we could have dealt with it, but it evidently wasn't. So then what? Move on. So you can't help everybody, but you can help some. God has moved. Now we need to make the move of God seen by moving. How has God moved? He's placed His Spirit within you. It's called salvation. And now you need to let the Spirit of God flow out of you to touch people around you. Even through the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Go love somebody. That's a move of God. But love is always selfless. It's never something that you get something out of. You will possibly get something out of it. But we often love because it's something we can get in return. James is great with that, where it speaks about favoritism. Why do you show favoritism to people like this, like people like you? Why are you only hanging out with people like you? People who are, are dressed well and whatever. Why are you always just reaching out to people like you? Yeah. We need, to, we need to be going to people who are less fortunate than us and more well-off than us and, and, and everybody and be reaching out to everybody. We mustn't discriminate. So there were two disciples who were present at Matthew chapter 10 who did something with what Jesus said in the book of Acts after salvation had occurred. And what happened through these two disciples is a description of what should and could happen through us. So let's look at Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. It says, Now Peter and John went up to the temple at the ninth hour to pray. And a certain 
man lame from his mother's womb. And lame means that he couldn't walk. It's not referring to his jokes. Whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms, because he had legs. Alms is talking about money. It's not talking about legs and arms. Alms is referring to money. So he was laying there unable to walk and he was asking for money from those who entered the temple. And he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple asking for money and fixing his eyes on them with John, Peter said, look at us. Now in, in, in religious circles, what would happen is they would give money. In religious circles, what would happen? Look at Jesus. I went there. <laughs> look at Jesus. Now, obviously, we're glorifying Jesus. We're His ambassadors. We're pointing to Him. But look what it's saying. It says, look at us. So He gave them His attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. So this happened by two people that were present in Matthew chapter 10. And after salvation occurred, this is one of the things that they did. And this is something we can all do. How many people passed this man without healing him? This man was around when Jesus was in his earthly ministry. If you look at the age that he was. And yet he wasn't healed. Why? Most likely because Jesus didn't come into contact with him. There's a whole world that Jesus didn't come into contact with yet. That's why he needed to dwell in us to reach the world. Because he couldn't do it by himself. Okay? And you know what Jesus never did? Is what a lot of kooks do. Kooks, cookies, crazy people, crazy Christians. Jesus, Jesus never stood on a mountain and declared healing over the city. There's no example of that. He cried over the city, but he didn't stand on the highest point and go, I just declare healing. We command COVID to leave this nation in the name of Jesus. He didn't do that. He healed those he came into contact with. During COVID, some of you had COVID, I had COVID, we prayed for everyone who had COVID. No one died from COVID within our ranks. Amen. Amen. We know many people who did sadly die. People we didn't have contact with. Point proven. Verse 3 says, Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for money. So, Healing was not a thought for this man. It wasn't an option. You know, what this man expected is all that he had received up until now. A few coins. And verse 4 says, Fixing his eyes on them, on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. This man still had no expectation for healing. No faith for healing. And yet he got healed. Okay, He had an expectation for money, but he got something better. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
Rise up and, re- and walk. Let's pause there and rebuke Peter for a moment. Because he has a negative confession. Can you see the negative confession? I don't have any money. Isn't that a poverty mentality? (laughs) These are two Jewish men, descendants of of Abraham. Surely they have the blessing of Abraham, lots of money. (laughs) The blessing of Abraham is not money. They had the blessing of Abraham, which is the Spirit of God living in a man. And as a result, they gave what they did have. But they didn't have money to give them. I've heard this excused by saying they just forgot their money, their wallets at home. <laughs> because it didn't square with someone's theology. Peter and John had no money. But they had the blessing of Abraham and that's what they used to give this man something. Money couldn't help the situation. What Peter had, every believer has today, we just need to be persuaded like Peter was persuaded. Are you persuaded of who lives inside of you? Verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Here's a, here's a thought. We work miracles, we don't wait for miracles. We work miracles. We don't wait for miracles. That's why he takes him by the hand and lifts him up. The power of God was manifested in the lifting. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 and I think it's 10. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So the Holy Spirit wants to manifest through you for our benefit, for the world's benefit. Then it goes on to list the different gifts or abilities of the Spirit. And it says, to another, the working of miracles. Not the waiting of miracles. The working of miracles. Rise up and walk. And lifting up is a working, making it work. And it's not your ability, it's the Spirit's ability in you. It's God's power, and without Him you'd be nothing, but He's in you. You're the vessel, and He's using you. And if you can't accept that, you won't be used by Him. If you're waiting, you'll be waiting forever. So let's look at a couple steps in this. He says, Peter looks at the man. He says, I have no money. What I have I give to you. And then in the name of Jesus, rise. There's no healing yet. Peter takes him, lifts him up. Immediately, his feet and ankle bones receive strength. You see the working of a miracle. This man was perfectly healed. Think about it for a moment. When was God's will for him to be healed? Not when he was healed. It was God's will that he was never sick, never broken. God's will was that somebody else who had passed him earlier had healed him. (laughs) But nobody actually stepped out to do it. Maybe it was the first time he encountered a believer, but, you know, praise God, it did happen. But do you notice in that whole story, there's never a mention of God's intervention without a believer. 
God intervenes in a person's situation when we co-labor with Him. The timing is up to us. When we say, yes, Lord, God can work in someone's life. And until that point, someone's waiting. Imagine if the church didn't go to Eastern Europe right now. Eastern Europe would, would be worse. Yeah. Acts chapter 3, 11 to 12. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So now it's caused a bit of a scene. And so when Peter saw it, when he saw all this amazement around him, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man to walk? So I like this. Because he's saying, it's not about your holiness. It's not about what you, who you are, what you're not or whatever that, that causes miracles and which causes God to flow through you. He, it, it's God flowing through you. And in verse 16 he says, His name, through faith in His name, has made this man strong, whom you see now and, and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Him and has given Him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So He's, he's, he's taking people's attention, which He now has. People are looking at Him and going, Wow, you're something. And He's going, Ah, it is faith in Jesus. It's Jesus. He's not denying the working of God through him, but he's now pointing people's attention to Jesus. So he's not taking credit for it. When we operate in the power of God, we will attract attention. When we're living like Christians, we should attract attention. But then we just turn people's attention back to God. There were many people worshipping in the temple. Many people who were, uh, uh, had a, an idea about God, and yet only Peter and John did something. Unfortunately, that's the tragedy of church as well. We've all got to wake up from mental ascent and step into faith. Because faith isn't just that I know it. Faith is I'm doing it. Faith is I'm living it. Faith isn't I'm hoping for it to be real. Faith is it's real and I'm stepping into it. We've got to believe in what we've prayed for even if we don't see immediate results. Because, I mean, the power of God is working even if you don't see it straight away. You keep praying until you see it. But you, you, you're believing that something's working, something's happening. Are you convinced of the power of God within you or are you surprised if anything ever happens because that's part of the problem so we want to see a move of god and now we realize the move of god is through us okay but how do we get there how do we get there and i mean it's it's obvious that it's just a case of um uh, you've got to know something you've got to believe this but there's more how do we get there I was just testing your nerves. <laughs> Acts chapter 3, verse 12 and 16. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? 
Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man walk? And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. I want to put three things to you, you can probably get more, from this verse that help us get to this place. Firstly, it's maturity. I didn't say perfection. I said maturity. Maturity meaning you realize what you have. Maturity in a sense of not being perfect and knowing everything, but knowing who you are. Maturity as in taking responsibility for what, you can, for what you've got and your, what you can do in a situation. Maturity, not perfection. And I didn't, like one of the things that, that Peter definitely highlights for us there is that it's not self-righteousness. But reliance on Him. Because a lot of people would say, you don't know the price I paid to get to this level. I fasted. I tithed. I've sacrificed. Yes, I know Jesus sacrificed, but do you know what I sacrificed to get you? It's ridiculous. It's not about what we've done, it's about what He's done, and do you believe it? That's maturity. Maturity isn't, re isn't measured in how much you fast. Maturity isn't measured in how much you sacrifice. Maturity is measured in how much are you like Jesus. If you're self-righteous, you're far from maturity. If you're focused on everything you do for God, and you're not focused on what He's done for you, you're full of pride and you're not mature. doesn't matter how much Bible you know, and even if you know it backwards. Romans chapter 8 verse 19. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. This is what the world is waiting for, a move of God. This is what the world is waiting for, for us to wake up to the reality of who we are in Christ, sons and daughters of God. It's a question of identity. Do we know who we are? Do we know who we are? Because if we do, we'll live like it. And remember, it's not just the heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. I've spoken on this before. It includes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Sometimes it's more of a miracle that people are full of the fruit of the Spirit than the power. Because I've seen people operate in power and have very little fruit in their life. And some of them have big ministries. <laughs> because people tend to go for power more than they do character. But I want you to look at something on that, that verse there. It says Romans 8, 19, right? 8 and then what? 19. What come, if, 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 what's 18 verses up? Verse 1, which 
verse 1 is the start of the chapter, which brings in a beautiful idea of how we get to the place of, no, it says no condemnation, but how we get to the place of revealing that we're children of God, manifesting as a child of God. And that is, it starts with, there's now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So this is something that we've got to have established in our heart if we want to start living like children of God. We've got to be established in, I'm not condemned. We want to see the, the Spirit of God working through us, but if you want to see the Spirit of God working through you to encourage people, to prophesy to people, to heal people, to share the gospel with people, to experience, uh, for, for people to experience God's love through you, then you've got to know that you're not condemned. Condemn condemnation or the feeling of condemnation is associated with feelings of shame and with feelings of guilt. If you are feeling condemnation, guilt or shame, you have declared yourself useless. You've declared yourself unfit for use. You have said, God can't use me. That's what you believe in your heart of hearts, even if you don't say it. You don't believe God's opinion about you because God says, I'm not condemning you. Okay? Why doesn't He condemn you? Because Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 says, You being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened, made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You are forgiven. If you're forgiven, you can't be condemned. So you've got to accept, the, if you want to live like a child of God, you've got to accept that you're forgiven. If you don't accept that you're forgiven, you're going to walk around with feelings of condemnation, guilt or shame, and you will not be usable. That's a nice way of saying it. You will not be usable. God will not be able to use you like He wants to use you and work through you like He wants to work through you to reach the people that He wants to reach. God doesn't determine, I'm going to use Jamie 2 and I'm not going to use Jamie 1. He doesn't do that. Jamie 1 determines if she's going to be used by God and Jamie 2 determines if she's going to be used by God. In Timothy it says this. It says that, you know, in a house, now I didn't put this in my notes, but it says in a house there are some vessels of honor and dishonor. And if a man cleanses himself of the latter, he'll be a vessel of honor. And so what it's saying is that you determine if you're a vessel of honor or not. God doesn't go, wow, I don't like Avi. <laughs> For some other reason, just, I just, he just looks at me funny. So, you know, he's going to be my vessel of dishonor because I need a Judas. God doesn't do that. Avi decides if he's going to be a Judas or not. <laughs> they say that there's a Judas in every church. And he's usually working in the finances. The joke I would like to make, but I won't, is that there's also a Lucifer in every church. And he's usually in the worship team. <laughs> it's a joke though, it's a joke. 
If you're not convinced that you're forgiven, you're never going to see yourself as worthy and you're never going to step out in boldness and you're never going to see anything great in your life. Then people will look at you and go, when you tell them that you're a Christian, they're going to go, really? <laughs> wow, I'm so happy for you. Like, wow, you're a Christian? I would have never guessed. <laughs> I thought there was something different about you, but I would have never guessed that you're a Christian. Proverbs 28 verse 1, the second part says, The righteous are as bold, are bold as a lion. Confidence comes from knowing who you are. Confidence comes from knowing who you are. Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified by faith, being made right with, being made just as if you've never sinned. How are we made just as if we've never sinned? By faith, by believing, not by acting. When you, you, when you start to believe what God has done in your spirit, when you start to believe how He's changed your life, you'll start to live like that. God doesn't expect you to live like that and then He changes you. He wants you to know what He's made you. Because you, you, how many of you helped a lot with your born, when you were born? You were just there. Your mom just, you know, you just came out. She did the work. The doctors did the work. The midwife did the work. You didn't do much. You cried, hopefully. And if you didn't, they smacked you and then you cried. <laughs> Okay, but the point is, is that when you get born again, all you did was believe. All you did was believe and you got born again. All you did was believe and you got born again. And in the moment you got born again, you did nothing to make yourself righteous. You did nothing to be justified, made just as if you've never sinned. You believed and you were made righteous. You were justified, made just as if you've never sinned. And in that moment, you experienced perfect Peace. Look at how the Passion puts it. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and He now declares us flawless in His eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. It's all faith. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He has made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus became what we were so we could become what He is. That's what it's saying. And become isn't talking about now you slowly but surely become this. Become is talking about you've become this. Like the moment you were born, you were born. The moment you became a Christian, you were righteous. You don't increase in righteousness, but you increase in expressing that righteousness. Not everyone who's born automatically acts like a human. They act like an immature human, and then as they mature, then they start to act more like a human, more like a person. Okay? We need to also learn to live by faith and not by our emotions. Being led by your emotions is a recipe for disaster. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
We walk by faith and not by sight. If you are dominated by what you experience or by what you see or by what you feel, then you're being carnal. Not being sinful necessarily, but you're being carnal. Because carnal means to be dominated by the senses. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says to be carnally minded, not sinfully minded, although that some translations will render it like that and they're wrong. Carnal means of the five senses. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if you want to experience life, the abundant life that God's got for you, if you want to experience peace in your life and in the afterlife, then what must you do? Be spiritually minded. Be gospel-minded. Be Word of God-minded. Think like God thinks. Don't think like the world thinks. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3 to 4, from the Passion, it says, For you are living your lives dominated by the mindset on the flesh. The mind that's dominated by what it sees, hears, tastes, smells, feels, experiences. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your life centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindsets of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. So this is saying as a Christian, you can behave like an unbeliever. I know you never guessed that. You never thought that would be possible, but it's possible. Verse 4, for when you divide yourselves up in groups, a Paul group, an Apollos group, or whoever group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. I want to take a few things from this passage. Number one, maturity is, self, is selflessness. Immaturity is selfishness. Number two, the Spirit's abilities or gifts flow through selflessness. Number three, comparisons, jealousies, quarrels, divisions, disunity. We all know people who experience those things. Those are indicators of immaturity. Number four, we don't do what's right because we feel like it. We do it because it's right. What does that mean? We don't forgive people because we feel like it. We forgive them because it's right. Because we're Christians. Because we have the love of God inside of us. And the love of God inside of us, the more we focus on it, overflows within us towards those around us. We can't help but love people. We don't have to force it because we're focused in on how much love lives inside of us. We also don't minister the gospel of people, uh, the gospel of peace the gospel of truth, the gospel of grace to people because we feel like it or we don't feel like it. We do it because it's the right thing to do. You come into contact with someone who doesn't have the gospel, what do you do? You give them the gospel on a bad day for you. You know, you don't minister healing to people when it's a good day for you. You minister healing to people when it's an opportunity to minister healing to people because it's the right thing to do. You've always got a green light to be a Christian. Isn't that amazing? Some people would be like, I was praying and I was asking God, should I share the gospel with this person? 
I was praying, I was wondering, should I go and give this word to this person? I was praying and I was asking God, I was waiting on Him at the coffee shop because I was wondering, should I go and pray for that person? And then when I opened my eyes, they were gone. I, what they were all saying is, I was praying and asking God, God, should I be a Christian now? Should I be like Jesus now? It's like how some of you, no, sorry, it's like some people who didn't come tonight are worth giving. I just didn't feel led in my heart to give today. You know that I don't give according to how I feel led by the Spirit? This is a revelation for some of you. I never give, very seldom, probably let's say 10% of my giving is, and my giving is Spirit-led. 10% of our giving is Spirit-led. What do I mean? We give a lot more than that, but we do it because we want to. Because our new nature is generosity. We give because we want to, not because we have to. We don't wait for the Holy Spirit to say, Hey, give to that person. We don't wait for that. Why? Because if we see a need, we want to help. And sometimes we have to have the Holy Spirit say, Hey, hold back. You need that. That's better. The, the Holy Spirit saying, I've got someone else who I want to use for this. You hold back. Or if you give, you're not really helping. <laughs> Whatever the situation is, I'm just showing you, like, like we need to be who we are created to be. You've got Jesus in you, so now let Jesus out of you. When you see an opportunity to love, love. When you see an opportunity to give, give. When you see an opportunity to help people experience peace and joy, do it. When you have an opportunity to, to minister healing, say, hey, be healed in Jesus' name. How do you feel? How's that head? How's that arm? How's that whatever? And sometimes it's a journey. Sometimes it gets better and it gets better over a couple of days. But I mean, it's like with what Ben's shoulder, it's supernatural that it's actually improved like it has. Sometimes it takes time. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Recover is a period of time, unfortunately. We all want microwave Christianity, but sometimes it's slow-cooked Christianity. Both provides the meal. Amen? So Father, I thank you right now that you would just stir us up as we just tap into you now and just allow you to speak through us in this place. And we're just going to give a few moments to praying in the Spirit. So let's just stand up together. And let's just pray in the Spirit. Focus on God. If you don't pray in the Spirit, just wait on God and just allow Him to speak to you. Allow Him to refresh you. Allow Him to minister to you. And allow Him to give you a word even. And I'm trusting that there's going to be people who receive words tonight for someone else in the room who you've never done this before and God's going to use you to encourage somebody, to show love towards somebody. Holy Spirit, thank you that right now you just begin to move in this place in the name of Jesus, that you would just reveal things to us, that you'd put a word of encouragement on our hearts for someone in this room and that as we close, that there would just be the body ministering to each other. 
in the name of Jesus. Father, I'm praying for specific words, words of, uh, 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 words of knowledge, words of encouragement, words to come forth that are a, a word in season. The right thing at the right time. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you live in us. That we are one with your power. We are one with your love. We are one with your life. And that as we yield to that life, and as we allow it to flow out of us, we're allowing you to move and bring revival in this earth. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, as, you, as you, you're praying there, I just, I'm believing that, that God's just putting a simple word of encouragement, maybe just one scripture on your heart or something for somebody in this room. And I want to encourage you as we close, and you just go and meet and greet someone, go and give them that word. Go and share that word of encouragement with them. And let the body minister to each other. And if you're in a position where you need healing for something, then as you're speaking to someone, they've got Jesus in them. Just say, hey, would you pray for me? Would you release the life of God that's in you into my body? Would you just pray for me that I'd be encouraged? If you're needing comfort, just pray for me that I would experience the comfort of the Spirit. I'm going through some stuff. I want to encourage you to humble yourself and reach out to the body. Somebody that's sitting around you and allow them to minister to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, right now, just for your ministry in Jesus' name. Before I close and we allow that, if anyone's got a word for all of us, just, just two or three people, if you've got a word, then just come forward. Uh, I have a verse in my heart and it's for someone specific and I will quote to them but I felt to share it with everybody because it might encourage more people and uh, it's Isaiah 40, 25, 26 in the, uh, 6 in the message. It says, so who is like me? Who holds a candle to me? Says the Holy One. Look at the night skies. Who do you think made all of this? Who marches this army of stars out each night? Counts them off, calls them each by name, so magnificent and so powerful, and never overlooks a single one. So I just want to share that God never overlooks you. And this survival, this going to people and, and let God overflow to people and going to Ukraine or North Korea or wherever it is, it's not for some of the church, the one that go to missions. You're not overlooked. He wants you to, he wants to work with you for that. He wants you, he wants uh, to work with you for whatever that it is that you need to work with. You're not overlooked. Amen. We can just close our eyes for a moment as well. And before we close, I just realized like the importance of this moment of just dealing with condemnation, with guilt, with shame, and even just stepping into righteousness. If if you firstly have never made a decision to receive Christ and you saying, I've never received Christ, I've never heard this gospel that he did what he did to make me righteous, right with God. I thought it was just a get to heaven ticket. But if you saying, I've never realized that I can become the righteousness of God, 
just by believing in what He's done for me. We want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but just to, to raise your hand so we know if there's someone that we need to pray with. So if that's you, just raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you later. Going once. And I would believe if there's anybody, you'll come up afterwards, but, or you can even speak to anybody in the, in the room. But uh, for those who may be experiencing condemnation, guilt or shame or feeling that or you're not convinced that you're forgiven. Right now, just, just put your hands in front of you. doesn't have to be up in the air so that people can see, but just in front of you. And I just want to just the, 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 allow the, the, the Spirit just to minister to you in this moment. Because you're never going to live like a Christian as long as this is not settled in your heart. You're going to live in defeat. You're going to live a, 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 a weak life. You're going to live with no confidence. You're not going to even be bold in your prayer as long as you don't, you're not convinced that you're forgiven. As long as you, you have feelings of condemnation, guilt, or shame. You're never going to look like a son or a daughter of God as long as you're struggling with these things in your heart. God sees you as His child. God sees you as forgiven. God sees you as no condemnation, no guilt, no shame. But you've got to see you like that. And if you can't see you like that, it doesn't matter what God sees. Because the most powerful opinion in your life is yours. You've got to choose to agree with God. And believe what He says about you. So right now, Father, for those that are, are maybe just uh, struggling with guilt, shame, condemnation, with feelings of unforgiveness, I right now just thank you that your Holy Spirit is ministering to them and convicting them of righteousness. Showing them how, how righteous they are in Christ. Showing them uh, uh, that, that sin has been paid for. Showing them that they have been made a saint. That they have been made holy. That they have been made righteous. Ephesians, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10. They have been made, uh, they have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once and for all. And I just declare freedom over you right now from condemnation, from guilt, and from shame in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you that your spirit is ministering to each one to bring this and make it more solid in our hearts so that we would be confident and go into this week and the rest of this life with a boldness and a confidence to live like you. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.